0: Hello and welcome to the first in a series of podcasts on sustainability in conjunction with Birmingham City Council. My name is Michael Bennett. I am Principal Associate in the Construction Engineering team at ShoeSmith, and I'm delighted today to be joined by Sylvia Broadley, a member of the team for Transport and Connectivity Inclusive Growth at Birmingham City Council. Welcome.
1: Hello, thank you very much.
0: Could you just tell me a little bit about the the Transport and Connectivity Inclusive Growth team? What, What is its ambit? What does it do? Um, just so that everyone understands what we're talking about?
1: Well, essentially, the Transport Connectivity Team um, are implementing the the transport plan that the council has uh, for the next 25 years. And the main ambition of that plan is actually about modal shift and looking at how emissions are actually cut, whether that's carbon or improving um, air quality as well. And... Part of those major projects actually include bus priority, road space reallocation um, to to enable uh, more walking and cycling. But also there are other major uh, road projects as well um, in terms of making the transport systems much smoother within the city. And as a result, that, that impacts air quality and also um, other uh, emissions, carbon, reducing carbon emissions as well. There are major projects aligned with, for instance, HS2 enabling the, that, that development to happen, but also the Commonwealth Games um, working with the, the transport, other transport authorities, such as uh, Transport for West Midlands in enabling the resilience aspect um, of uh, transport within the, the city. So it, it's about ensuring the, the, the flow of, of uh, traffic through the city. But actually, the ultimate aim is around the health and well-being, the placemaking actually for the city in ensuring air quality and reduction of emissions.
0: Wonderful. Now, I know the, um, the electric vehicle strategy is a big part of that and is certainly uh, already being rolled out and, and developed. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the, the EV strategy that, uh, that you are currently rolling out?
1: Well, it's a 12-year strategy. It was approved last November uh, 2021. And um, the 12 years leads us up to, to 2032. And essentially, it commits the, the, the council to delivering at least 3,600 uh, charge points to be rolled out across um, the city. Ultimately, that that's about reducing the city emissions by at least 50% by 2030 compared to 2020 levels. And in just looking at the stats around that, transport currently accounts for around a third of CO2 emissions actually within Birmingham, of which 95% actually come from uh, transport. So in order to reduce emissions, and eventually look to eliminate emissions actually from transport, it's, it's necessary to reduce both the vehicle usage and ownership, um, and really shifting those remaining vehicles, obviously for essential journeys, um, actually to zero emission vehicles of which EVs um, are part of, of that, that makeup. The EV strategy, therefore sets out a planned rollout of charge points that the council will be delivering with its EV partner, its procured partner, uh, which really focuses on public sites. So that is the highway, public land and public uh, car parks. But this is alongside the development that the private sector are are also bringing to this in their rollout in places of destination such as supermarkets and petrol stations and leisure facilities as well. Within the strategy, certainly the um, from the public infrastructure that we're developing, it's about ensuring that, that those charge points are 100% uh, renewable energy that that's actually used. And also that they're not only robust, but reliable as well and from a public accessibility point of view, it's about providing um, a backbone of uh, charge points which are available 24 seven, 365 days a year that have full maintenance, have the back end customer support. Um, and we're, we're at this uh, point in understanding this actually from the, the the kind of developments we've had since 2014, where we put in initial uh, infrastructure and what we've learned from that development that really, as a city, we need to have not only a backbone of public accessible alongside what the private sector are doing, but it's actually about ensuring that level of of support and that um, availability um, of those charge points, so having the right maintenance actually in place, and also that customer support, and looking at key performance indicators as well, that there is, you know, at least a ninety nine percent uptime. Because what is really frustrating, um, is for, for, for um, EV users, is pitching up at a charge point only to find that it's it's um, out of order, and therefore it's about ensuring that the back end of the provision actually is is really well structured and in place for at least the next 10 years i think you've
0: hit on a number of absolutely key points there i mean two that uh, that strike me is, as well the, the use of renewable energy for the ev points is going to be absolutely critical electric vehicles are obviously only as good as the the energy that's put into them and if that yeah. energy is coming from from coal or gas it's it doesn't really help greatly but also the fact that it has to be rolled out with private partnership. And that is going to be absolutely critical with the the sheer cost of this, if nothing else, but also uh the availability of space to put to to put the charging points as well. I can imagine how are you deciding which areas are the priority for the role, and how are you picking the sites?
1: The main focus that we actually have in in identifying sites uh in the first instance is actually about strategic locations, and what we mean by that is that it aligns with where the the, the traffic flow um, actually uh, is is happening within the the city, where it's it's near to amenities as well. There, there's good uh, grid connectivity, and in looking at what we are rolling out in phase one, which by the end of this year we're we're hoping that we will have uh, installed at least three hundred ninety four charge points. That those charge points are available on a charge and go approach. So therefore, we're looking at fast and rapid. So fast will be 22 kilowatt charge points and rapid is 50 kilowatt charge points. So in looking at that level of power, those strategic locations actually mean they have to be at key sites to ensure the widest public accessibility and also that the grid capacity is is actually there, and therein lies, you know, that a whole level of of evaluation of um, sites before one can actually uh, install a charge point. You know, there are a number of things that that you know we need to assess before a, a site is actually confirmed as. A good sight
0: okay just so just so i understand as well the the 22 kilowatt chargers, as i understand it they take about two to four hours to charge a vehicle to full obviously depending on the vehicle and the 50 kilowatts are sort of 30 to 45 minutes is that about right
1: yes that that's absolutely correct um i mean there are many models of ev vehicles actually on on the road and obviously the newer ones that that is the 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 timing for charging for for 22 and 50 kilowatts the older the vehicle it may be more than that
0: i can imagine that certainly with choosing these sites you faced a number of difficulties both with with uh, public consultations perchance or uh, private developers or just in finding the right sites in the right areas what what are some of those difficulties that you have faced
1: so there have been a number of uh, challenges that, that we've had, and particularly this is because we're focusing on public land, on as I mentioned, uh, the highways, public car parks and other types of public land. Because um, of the regulatory approval process that we have to, to go through, so for instance, any, any charge points actually on the highway, we have to go through a transport regulation order process, which includes public consultation, which takes takes up to about three months to to be able to to do. And that's engaging, obviously, with residents, with the public who are actually um, in proximity to where the charge points are. And that, that includes businesses as well. And once you've gone through that process, then it's actually there's an application. It's called a Section 50 application. So this is about getting a highway license. So there is a timeline for that. Um, to actually get that approval and before you can get to that um, there is a, a whole level of our own council internal approvals which we call a, a technical pack but actually it's the risk assessment, uh, it's the design Um, of those spaces it's actually about ensuring the design for disability access so there's a lot that actually goes into um, that that process on other types of uh, land for instance public car parks we have to go through a legal lease arrangement for where the charge points will will actually sit so it's the same uh, approach in terms of the evaluation um the connectivity to to the grid but also it's that legal approval process as well so all of these actually take time it's different however on private land because it's actually about the approval from that land owned to say yes this is you know this is where i would like to have uh, the the charge point in my car park park so actually that's quite straightforward but on public land it isn't and i think in in the wider context we have been faced with challenges you know in the last 2 years with with the uh, covid and the availability of work teams to to be able to work in terms of uh, installing the charge points once we've actually been through these processes And also Brexit as well, that's had an impact actually on deliveries. Some of our charge points come from as far, you know, the actual units come as far as Portugal. So there have been issues actually specifically around uh, delivery of some of the the equipment. And also this has an impact not only on um, the ESB team um, installing, but actually those other supply chains in and around that installation in terms of the civil works and the connectivity of the grid to the grid. So we're working also with WPD, Western Power Distribution, and we're reliant on their capacity um, and availability actually to do those connections. So with the aspiration, yes, We've found an ideal site, everything's actually been approved, then there is quite a, a a time lag between that point and actually the charge point in the ground.
0: So I suppose leaving aside the material issues, which I suppose is affecting everybody at the moment. I know uh certainly in construction, material supply, COVID, Brexit have been huge problems for for the industry as a whole over the last two years and so. It sounds as though a lot of the speed of the rollout will be dependent on finding private development partners and actually by having them buy into the process of installing the charging points on their land uh, and thereby possibly avoiding some of the the uh, public consultations and and processes that have to be gone through on public land have you had significant buy-in from uh, from private owners and private companies
1: there's evidence a lot of evidence that that's actually starting to happen when you look at the major supermarkets who um you know as part of their usp now is actually you know we we have charge points for you as as customers so more and more the major supermarkets in particular also petrol stations as well so that buy-in you know and this is not a birmingham agenda this is a national agenda as well there's recently been um um a government consultation in regard to who is responsible, where does the role lie in terms of who is actually delivering on the installation of uh, uh, charge points and actually the use of land as well and I'm sure the decision will be coming out soon as to what does that mean in terms of landowners who own car parks and what the ratio of car park spaces are to charge points. Um, the council has actually already started to address that in terms of its planning policy, where something known as TP5 within that planning policy is actually about setting out for every car park, for every five spaces, there needs to be a charge point and also for every new development with car parking there has to be you know, that, that provision actually put in place for every new development. And on housing development, particularly, where there is off-road parking associated with that house, then that ratio is one to one. So there, there are things that the council are actually already doing to try and address this, and actually that is working with private developers who are arranging charge point provision within those developments. Um, there is... Our collaboration with ESB as a private developer, they're our partner as um, the network delivery partner until 2032. And we're working very much with them in looking at what market growth is and making sure that there is a provision. We will also be looking at putting out to tender, hopefully later this year, to set up a framework of private providers actually for more alternative type of charge points so we recognise that at least 30% of the city um, of residential areas does not have off-street parking and so it's looking at from the strategy point of view at that point about having strategic locations and that would we would look at every area actually within the city but we do recognise there are some areas that have not got good grid connectivity, and coupled with no off street parking, presents an issue for people who are looking to take up EVs or. As an employee, or if you know self-employed, they have their own business and they're they're, they have you know their their transport and they're looking to transition to electric. Actually, that is a a real issue. So we have been assessing with our partners, uh, ESB, in looking at. What are those alternatives actually on the market? And those range from things like lamppost uh, charging, albeit in Birmingham, our lampposts tend to be on the um, inside of the payment, not on the curb side. So it would be relevant in some areas. We're also looking at curbstone, insect curbstone type of uh, charge points as well. So in terms of collaborating with the private sector, There is a whole raft of development that we will be getting to, you know, from the end of uh, this year onwards. Our task at the moment is actually getting that backbone of the 394 fast and rapid to actually assure this charge and go approach, um, that there is some level of public accessibility.
0: One of the things I've seen being talked about is the use of these, the use of electric vehicles essentially as a balancing point within the grid. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's anything that's being considered as part of the strategy or not.
1: We're working uh, with universities who we know are, you know, that's an area of interest for them and looking at how we work with the private sector, actually coming forward and creating those areas of uh, energy storage. If you're actually looking at your energy storage, if you're actually saying, well, okay, that's where everybody will have to come to to charge up then you're actually needing to ensure that that energy storage from reusing batteries, you know, re-energizing uh, batteries needs to be in a strategic location as well. So in, in, a, in the same way, the solutions actually still need to come under the type of thing that we're yeah. saying within the EV strategy is it's about the right place to ensure accessibility at the right time and also to to look at what solutions are they actually solving so will it solve those people with poor grid connectivity and no off street parking um or actually is this almost like a go to to place where in a retail park that you would leave your vehicle there um you know it's possibly not going to be at the level of 50 plus kilowatt is most probably at the lower level mm. um and also when you look at the energy storage as well if you're linking that by cable to a facility you have a limit of, a, of about seven kilometers that yeah. that that it can it can actually go so you're you're it's almost very locally specific yeah. solution
0: in, in many ways it's almost better for those who have off street parking because they can then balance their own local area across or their own property in their own local area if, yes if the majority of the population are connected whereas yeah if it's uh sort of centralized yeah uh connect uh, connection then yeah um it might be a, a shopping center after it's closed after hours people can go there and,
1: Ab- and absolutely and, and actually it yes gives you,
0: you've got the power that isn't being used yeah. by the shopping center now and it gives some sort of balance but of course, it's now in a, in a more retail-industrial setting, so the area of effect of the balancing is probably not as great as it could be if yeah. it was if it was centralised in, in a in a residential area.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of work you know that that's already being done, which is looking at vehicle to grid, vehicle to building, looking at smart grids, smart buildings. But to make that kind of charging effective, it's about scalability so you can do it from your own domestic house and balance you know how you're using energy actually within your house but if you're developing something say for instance in in a um, a building that I did work in where we had a lot of uh, vehicles all parts there you know and actually looking at well can you use the 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 surplus energy or can you be transferring you know available energy from cars to the building or vice versa but actually where we are now where we're all working from home and although things are starting to go back you know not everybody is going back and it's actually about reassessing how are we using buildings where are we working you know there it's not as clear as perhaps it it could have been, you know, <laughs> about Ten years ago, yeah, yeah, or even two years ago, even, you know, when you know ago. this this was all infinitely possible, and that was the that 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 was the the way. So um, there are opportunities. Clearly, there are in energy storage, and that's what we we're, we're, mm. we are looking into. And from the partners, you know, from the university partners that that we have, you know, certainly that is part of that that wider. Um, agenda and clearly there there are big energy providers out out there in the market that that is the next step for them I think also in in looking at the strategy and from the analysis and the evaluation and um, that we've done and we, we've been working with uh, element energy in the development of that that strategy and it is about aligning where the market is now and where we are predicting it will be in 2030. And, yes, we are looking to, to achieve um, net zero, and this is a commitment by the the, uh, the council that was made in 2019, that as a city we will be as near as possible by the 2030s actually to net zero how that then is balanced or how that's reflected is where the market actually is bearing in mind EV take up is around 5 to 6% of vehicle stock at the moment in in the UK you know one has only got to look at adverts on telly to to see you know the the, the new models coming on on the market it is a growing market but There is a huge leap in terms of level of vehicle production, level of purchase. And of course, the government have put a milestone in there at 2030 that there'd be no more cars produced um, or sold um, that are petrol and diesel. So there is a marker in time there of what we're trying to work towards and what does that mean? and looking at what does that mean for vehicle stocks. So within the the strategy, we we are looking at, one can be as certain as one could be, that we'll be in a position that this would at least impact at 50% in contributing to reduced emissions, bearing in mind people, you know that the 2030 UK government target is actually about purchasing new vehicles and they need to be zero emission people will still have their petrol and diesel vehicles you know and it's at least another 10 years before other legislation actually comes in to say actually on the roads we will not have any more petrol and and diesel okay
0: i'm sorry to say that's all we have time for today uh, please join me for the conclusion of our conversation uh, in part two and thank you very much for listening